1: Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chapel.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Build Your Network Podcast. David, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Glad to have you here. And uh, we always love to start these episodes off by building some context as to who you are. So take us back to say middle school, David. What was on your mind at that time? Where did you think your future was uh, headed
3: in those early, early days? Oh, I like that. No, no one's ever taken me back to a particular point in time. Well, I was a nerd. Um, mm-hmm. I was a nerd that have a, had enough social skills to kind of at least talk to the cool kids. Right. So I kind of stra—I was in between two two cliques, and I wasn't. I was, I was pretty good at school. I was like, like near the top of the class. I was maybe like 10th in the, in the top class. And then something happened around age 15. I don't know what it was, but something kicked into gear and I started coming top of my mm. classes and ended up topping the school. So I'm grateful for that. And what happened, I, I thought I'd be an accountant because I was really good at math. Yeah. And then someone, my mother discovered a profession called an actuary which most people have still never heard of is very obscure. It's huge statistics and probability and projecting mm-hmm. cash flows out for the next hundred years. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it seemed like you got paid a lot more. It was more prestigious if anyone ever knew what it was. It was way harder to qualify and there were scholarships available. So it's like, well, let's do that. And so I did that and it took me. Eight years. And bear in mind, I came top of my school. It still took me eight years to pass, and it was grueling and brutal. And when I was done, yeah, I got this great job on Park Avenue in New York. And at the age of 24, I'm consulting to Sony Music and Ford and Exxon. And you'd be like, hey, I've made it. Yeah, right. But I wasn't happy. And someone suggested I go and do the Landmark Forum, which is a personal growth program. And I was like, ah, they smile way too much. And they wear name tags. I don't trust these people at all, but they cracked my heart open. And they showed me that while I knew a lot about numbers and business and systems and money, I didn't know anything about vulnerability, authenticity, true self-expression, or even leadership, which requires all of those things. Mm -hmm. So the last 20, 25 years of my life have been about catching up, sitting with teachers and gurus, Doing stuff that most people could have never imagined doing to find out what is it to be human Mm -hmm. and to reclaim those parts of myself that I'd shut down as a kid because of a tragedy that happened when I was seven years old. So that's 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 how David came to be. It seems like I'm the bridge between the left and right brain. Right. Good at right brain stuff. I'm good at left brain stuff. I can help people with systems, but if they need to feel more to connect with their kid, we can go there as well. Sure. It it seems like authenticity
2: and vulnerability is, they're buzzwords now, you know, it's something that people talk about, especially in the corporate world, you know, like authenticity gets thrown around a ton. What does authenticity and vulnerability truly mean to you?
3: Let's first go to the problem. Hmm. The problem and the issue and the lack of authenticity is we were taught as kids, most of us to hide a lot of stuff. My parents didn't say to me, David, how are you feeling about that? We were going to go to the zoo. Now we're not. What's the Mm. impact on you? How do you feel about it? Oh, you feel sad. What's that like? Mm. Where is it in your body? What do you feel in your body? That was not a conversation that my parents knew how to have. No one I met knew how to have that. So what happens is we we grow up learning that if we've got certain feelings, we just shut them down. Don't even tell ourselves because- what's the good of, of just identifying that, I've, that I'm annoyed or I'm a bit angry or I'm disappointed about what you did last week or I felt shut down in that meeting two weeks ago. What's the point of saying anything? It's not going to go well. The person's probably going to get defensive. We just learn to basically present and act to the world and we don't even know it. It's become, it's like if I ask a fish, how's the water? The fish might go, what water? We don't even know. So we've got this act and here's here's what you can look for. You may be feeling a little lonely. You may be feeling a little isolated. You may be frustrated in a lot of situations and not know what to do about it. You may find yourself complaining to other people who can't do anything about it. These are some of the symptoms that come up. And and the metaphor I, I like to use is it's like there's a, there's a scary forest and, and we don't want to go in there because there could, be, there could be a bear behind that tree or there could be a lion under the bridge or like that. We don't want to go in there and we've learned not to go in there. But if we do, this is the good news, if we do go into the forest and we start identifying what's actually happening with us mm-hmm. and take that courageous yet simple action of sharing it with someone else, all the good stuff is on the other side. Mm -hmm. The deeper connection, the trust. People will trust you more and not even know why. It's because you're actually being you. And the metaphor I like to use is the book that we're launching June 13 is called Mouse in the Room Mm -hmm. because the elephant is not alone. So we all know about the elephant. You see it, I see it. No one's saying anything. That's weird. Yes, you should address the elephant in the room. That's where we begin in the book. But so many animals in the room or in the forest are so, they're subtle. They're much smaller. It might be just, oh, I didn't like, I didn't like that. Or, boy, I'm, I'm actually quite frustrated about these socks on the floor. Or, I'd really like to ask you on a date. There's so many things going on inside us that we hide. If you're willing to take the scary yet courageous action, sorry, the simple yet courageous action, of discovering your mice and then artfully naming them you come into deeper connection and life gets better i love that metaphor but i'm curious to know like what's the
2: balance of addressing those smaller issues bringing them up finding the courage to to talk about them what's the balance between doing that and potentially nitpicking or getting caught on issues that maybe don't necessarily need to be addressed like how do you find that balance of what this is vital that i talk about it versus you know, I'm somebody looking for potentially issues to talk about or bring up.
3: Yeah. I love that. How do you know which mice to name and which mice not to? Do you just have no filters and just share everything? Hey, I hate this room. That color looks bad on you. You've gained 20 pounds, haven't you? No, I'm not talking about that. Right. For most people, they're naming say 20% of their mice and hiding 80% of them. What I'm encouraging is that you shift that and you start naming 80% Mm. of your mice and you keep 20% of them to yourself. Now, which ones would you keep to yourself? Well, in the book, we have a process to help you decide. In fact, there's a 3D process to mouse naming. You discover what your mice are and get clear. Oh, what is it that I'm feeling? What do I want? What do I not want? What's actually happening? That's huge. Even if you don't name the mouse at least you got it for yourself. And then secondly, decide, is this a mouse worth naming? Now, don't just go, oh, this is going to be awkward, so I'm not going to name it. No, right. the more awkward it is, the scarier it is, the more courage it requires, the bigger the payoff. And then the third D is for disarm. Mm. And we'll show you how to disarm somebody so that they're actually ready and willing to receive the mouse in a positive way instead of get, getting defensive. Yeah. So how do you decide? Well, you weigh up the good and the bad. So there's a worksheet and the worksheet will say something like, what bad thing could happen if you name this? Okay. A person could get upset. I might not get invited to the next meeting or the next party. I, you know, if it's a really big thing, maybe I, I'm confessing to something that I did wrong. I might lose the relationship yeah. or lose the job or go to prison. And I've been in all three of those situations where I've risked the relationship, the job, and the prison. So you look at what negative thing could happen and then what positive thing could happen. If I clear this, if I say, you know, I'd like to try this in the bedroom. How do you feel about that? We might get more connected. Even if we don't do the thing in the bedroom, we get to talk about it. Maybe the other person gets to name their mice and we're more connected. Maybe I might get a sale or a client. If I name my desire, maybe that thing that's bugging me, that neighbor upstairs that's, that's constantly playing the loud music would play it softer and I could have peace. So we, we look at the two and weigh it up and say, is the upside worth it? And am I willing to risk those ne- negative consequences? Mm-hmm. When we shine the light on this and we actually see, because normally the mind will show you all the negative, it won't show you the positive. You have to mm-hmm. generate that by filling in the form then you say, hey, am I going to roll the dice on this? And my hope and wish for the world is that 80% of the time you will. You'll say, okay, it's going to take a bit of courage, but David said, it's okay. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to take the risk and you'll get better and better and better at it. Mm -hmm. You'll lose some people. You'll lose some things. You might lose some projects, but I say, those are the things that you are meant to lose. And it creates room for the people and projects and jobs and opportunities that you're supposed to have to come and be with the real you. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much fear associated with, you know, I think
2: even internally, like there's things that, you know, past traumas that we're nervous to address within ourselves, but you mentioned a, a few minutes ago, like trying to disarm other people who maybe aren't feeling quite as enlightened about a certain situation as you are, or- aren't ready to have a difficult conversation like you are. And I've had these experiences within my own life. You know, I grew up in a very, very strict fundamentalist religious background, you know, and as I've grown and, and made my own decisions in my life and own decisions with family, there's been plenty of things that have had to be addressed with family that's within the religious circle or with former leaders and things like that. And, you know, again, I may have addressed the issue in my own mind and gone through the hard work mentally of doing that. But breaching that conversation with somebody else can be a really frightening thing, like you mentioned. So when someone doesn't react to this process the way that you would hope that they would, what are some steps you can take to disarm it and potentially preserve the relationship or make it to where you know, you're know you doing what you can to make this an amicable conversation?
3: Great. So let's split that into two questions. How do you disarm somebody mm-hmm. so that they're in a better state to receive it? And then what do you do if it doesn't go well? Mm -hmm. Those are are really great, great questions. So with the disarm in the worksheet, it will ask you what's your positive intent? Mm -hmm. What's the good thing that you want to come out of that? And so you will start with consent. Hey, there's something that's been on my mind that I'd like to talk about, probably take about three or four minutes is now a good time. So that's consent. You don't just start, hey, we need to talk. I had a friend once write to me, I'm pissed. We need to talk. And my reaction was, no, we don't. You need to talk. I need to watch TV. So we get consent. You know, is, is this okay? And we can slip in there some positive intent. You know, I want to talk about something that I think would have us work better as a team. Or there's something that's been on my eye, my mind and I want to just let it go and, and clear the air and, and move on. Right. If, if you've got a few minutes. So you're demonstrating positive intent because if you just come and say to me, Hey, can we talk? I'm probably going to assume it's not, I want to give you a lot of money, right? Right. I probably, you know, mine goes to the worst. So just give them something positive. I want to talk. And then if it's edgy for you, and we give you a little formula in the book, if it's edgy, you might also say, I I thought of not bringing this up because Mm. uh, I feel nervous about it. And you know there's a chance you might feel offended and I don't want that to happen. Right. But I decided I would bring it up because I think it'll have us be closer and I'd like that. Yeah. So do you have 5 minutes? Sure. No, you don't have 5 minutes now. Okay, when would be a good time? So you get consent. Consent is huge. Yeah. Even if they would have said yes anyway and it's pretty obvious by saying yes, they put themselves in a mindset to like okay, You know, what do you got? You can also say to someone, hey, can I name a mouse with you? Do you know that expression? And they'll go no. Uh, although ideally, if this book goes well, they'll go yes. They'll go no. And you say, Well, it's like an elephant in the room, but it's much smaller.
1: Mm.
3: You know, it's not a big deal. And so this is a way that you can disarm the person. So they're like, Oh yeah, what you got? The other thing you can do is once you've once you've shared what you've got to share, and if you have a request you'll throw a request in. That's a leadership move. It's Hmm. not just, hey, I just want to complain to you for five minutes about what you're doing. But I'd like to ask if you'd be willing to do X, which moves everything forward, shows them how they can win with you. Once that's happened, check for impact. No, This is a missing piece in our society. Once you've said something, check for impact. How did it land? You could say, how does that land with you? Or How is it for you to hear that? These are magic words. How is it for you to hear that? And for bonus points, if you really want to get advanced. You can offer a menu hmm. of options because they might not know that it's safe enough to share their own yeah. mice in response. How is it for you to hear that? Is it awkward? Is no. it inspiring? Is it neutral? You don't care or something else. Right. And they're like, ah, oh, uh, well, you know, I guess I feel a bit embarrassed. I didn't realize that was annoying you. And, you know, so you're giving them a chance to name their mice yeah. because they may not have read the book and they may not go, oh, I got a mouse to name with you. Yeah, and this is an incredible leadership move. It's great for managers. Keep yeah. checking for impact.
0: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need a hire, you need Indeed. Now your second
3: question was 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 awesome. What if it doesn't go well? Let's suppose let's suppose they get defensive. Yeah. All right. They're defensive. You've just said to someone, look, I notice you've been late the last three meetings. I'd like to talk to you about it. They might jump in with a whole bunch of explanation. I will sometimes say, can I pause you for a moment? I'd love to finish the thought and finish what I'm saying. And then I want to hear anything you've got to say. Sure. And so I just, you know, you've been late three times and, you know, I'm I'm not angry about it. Here's why I think it'd be good if you were on time. And I want to ask you if you'd be willing. Mm -hmm. Okay. What you got? And so, because sometimes people got so much, they just want to jump in. And, oh. and fix and change. Now, once I've said it, they might still go on about, well, it's because of traffic and it's because of this and, you know, whatever. Let's say they get angry and they start attacking me. If you've got the space for it, listen, you've had your turn ideally. Now listen. Mm-hmm. And here are some other magic words. Is there more you want to say about that? I think mm-hmm. I got what you said. Is there more you want to say? Give them another, and they might go on for another minute or two. Okay, I got it. You, you said this, this, and doesn't seem fair because other people are late. Okay, is there anything else? Listen, yeah. that'll often disarm somebody if they feel like they're being heard. You may not always agree with them, but you can say, look, you might even say, I don't agree with that and I'm not going to do that. And I think I get your position. You don't yeah. think it's fair and this should happen. Do I, do I get it? That'll often help. Now, look, if it's a total blowout, Friend of mine just sent me a message saying she told an ex partner of hers that she's starting a new relationship. Well, it didn't go very well. So that's a mouse that she had. She's like, I'm starting a new relationship and I'm still quite close with my ex partner. And he's probably going to hear about it from other people. Mm-hmm. Should I say it? Should I not? You know, it's probably a kind thing to tell him. Is it going to be awkward? Probably. <laughs> but she screwed up her courage and she said, I'm starting a new relationship. He had a couple of questions and then he said something nasty, hung up the phone and blocked her messages. Okay, that, can that be okay? Yeah. That's their reaction. Stick with them if you can while they have their reaction and be as kind as you can. Sometimes people will bounce back. Sometimes you can say, Can I have a second round of that? You know, it didn't seem to go that well. You seem to have a lot of charge and emotion on it. And I, th- I think I could have said that better, or I'd like to hear how that is for you and your impact. Pe- people, we often assume we've got one shot at it yeah, right. and that's it. Oh, that was a train wreck. No, that was round one. Mm. Round two might go differently. Or if it's with someone you really care about, you might be willing to do a round three and a four and a five until you get each other's position. The charge has been run off. This will change your life. No. Yeah. Instead of hiding and ignoring that all those mice, which start to breed, if you ignore them, you right. name them and you take away the power yeah. that it has.
2: No, I love that.
3: I love practical stuff like that. Like,
2: here's what to say. I love those phrases that people can take right now and apply in some of these conversations. I want to be respectful of your time. So I got to ask you the question that we ask everybody who comes on the show. The show is, of course, called Build Your Network. And you've talked a lot about relationships, maintaining relationships with people, addressing difficult issues. You also talked about being very analytical and uh, you have went through a lot of schooling, have built a lot of knowledge that's helped you in the corporate world. Do you believe that who you know or what you
3: know is more important and why? I'm going to go for option C. I think, and in a way, it's both. Knowing yourself Mm. is foundational. It's critical. It's fundamental. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know your desires. A lot of us don't know, though. You've Mm. got to know the things that don't work. More of us know that. You've got to know what you value and you've got to know your patterns and your systems. Oh, that triggers me. And, you know, the more self awareness you have, well, that's growth in and of itself. You grow, but then with that self-awareness, you can connect with people. You can build your network three times faster. Yeah. If you know yourself. So Mouse in the Room is written specifically to help you uncover who you are so that you can tell the truth with other people. You're gonna kind of build your network faster. If you're just doing bullshit, 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 bullshit then people are going to move on pretty fast. You may not even be thinking I'm doing bullshit, 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 but you're just like, you're just, maybe you're networking, you're out at an event and you're really trying to get something from someone, but you don't say that. Mm-hmm. You're trying to like come at it from an angle, which isn't wrong, but they're going to feel it and they're going to move on. I love the concept of networking. I've been doing it for a long time. I've been around for a while and I am blessed. To belong to the transformational leadership council, which has a lot of my idols in it. No. Jack Canfield from chicken soup, John Gray from Mars and Venus. Marianne Williamson was a member the first event I went to. There's Marianne. I'm like, Hey, what's up? It was, inc- it was incredible. And no way would they have voted me into that council if I didn't have mouse naming as a practice. Mm-hmm. I will say, I will name mice particularly when I could lose something. And I'll give you an example. When when I did get to sit next to Jack Canfield and I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting next to Jack Canfield. I asked him if he would write the forward to my book. Big, bold request from someone I didn't know. And then I said, look, I want to be honest. I want to be upfront. I've asked Richard Branson if he would write the forward. And if he says, yes, I'm going to go with that. I'm asking you big, bold request if you would be my backup.
0: <laughs> oh.
3: Yeah. Now you would think, don't do that. That's stupid. But Jack said, oh, well, you're going alphabetically. I understand that. <laughs> no. You know, which gave me an insight into his, his particular genius. Richard Branson said no. And Jack did eventually say yes. And I think that it's that kind of transparency that builds trust. So if you're thinking, oh, this is some hippie woo-woo self-help thing, yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it's that, but it also has huge business applications. So by building a connection with Jack, by being honest, and by building a connection with John Gray, who I happened to see in the lobby of a hotel at midnight once when I was locked out of my room, and through fate, I went up and I just said, I'm a big fan, and I just wanted to say hello. And one thing led to another, and I get nominated to the Transformational Leadership Council, And I'm going there in July. Hmm. It's all hush, hush, the location. But I'm going, I'm going, they don't want people showing up at the hotel. I'm going there in July and I'm going to be with Oprah Winfrey's executive producer and an Oscar winning producer. And you talk about networking, No, but my aim will be to tell the truth and just share who I am and to find out their mice. How are you in this moment? Is a wonderful question. Like in this moment, what are you aware of?
2: Yeah, love it. Love it.
3: Well, I know you've uh, you've got
2: a jet. Uh, I know you've got a lot of things moving right now. Congratulations on the book, mouseintheroom.com. If you're listening to this, be sure to grab a copy right now. Don't wait. Uh, if you put it on a list somewhere, you're going to forget about it. Go ahead and order it right now. But thank you so much, David, for sharing so much practical insight and for opening up about your own life. I really appreciate it.
3: It's my great pleasure. And I would also ask, Here's my ask. This is a desire mouse that I have. Mm. Don't just buy one book. On June 13, we're going to have a huge special. It's going to be a 99 cent Kindle version. Buy 25 books. Mm. $25 will get you 25 Kindle versions. And then you can go into your orders on Amazon and email them as gifts to your Mm. friends. It's one thing to try and start mouse naming in isolation, you can do it, it's a lot harder. No. But if your friends, your coworkers, your kids, your partner, your relatives, if they've read the book, your life will get so much better and so much easier. So, and it'll help us get to the to the bestseller list on Amazon. So yeah, sure. Buy a book, buy the physical book, buy the Kindle, 25 bucks will get you 25. It'll help us and it'll help start a mouse naming revolution. And you can do that at mouse. Go to mouseintheroom.com. It'll show you exactly how to do it. Plus, we're going to have some huge bonuses just for buying in that launch week. And I want to be able to share those with you as well. Mouseintheroom.com.
2: Perfect. Love it. Head over to mouseintheroom.com. Grab 25 copies of the book. Thank you so much again, David, for jumping on.